Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. And I go, oh, tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. Just thinking, you know, and then I thought, wait a minute, we're in April, not in March. And it reminded me of a time when I was writing, and I think it was like in 2008. And here I am typing, and I, the only way I could keep track of my writing was to date the paper because it wasn't like a story that I was finishing or something like that. So I remember putting, I can't remember what the month was, but I put instead of 2008, I put 3008. And then I thought, God, that's so weird, 3008. Like one day this country will be there. I obviously will not be here when that happens, but... I was just thinking, and then Christ said, well, time is actually irrelevant. It's, it's, it, it marks time on earth, but, and I said, yeah, I know, you know, there's that whole argument of no time and whatever, but um, I'm not feeling time right now because I thought St. Patrick's Day was going to be today. And I thought, wait, I already made my corned beef that they don't even make in Ireland last month, but it was pretty funny. Anyway, my humor is awful. I have some questions today, so let's get started. I have one from Liam, and he's, um, oh, you have the sound back? I see it says, oh, no sound, oh, the sound's back. Great chat. Okay, so Liam says, hi, Nadia, I have a question. We talk a lot about different types of souls, for loving souls to narcissistic or the meek. My question is, can a soul change their garth within a lifetime, or do they have to go home for healing before that happens? In Origins of Truth, Christ says our garth is our core. It's like our the deepest part of us, right, our soul, the center of our existence. So is it possible to change the center of our existence, or is it set in stone for lack of a better explanation? Thank you. I look forward to your answer if you have time. That's a really good question because, you know, people say to me all the time, well, what about narcissists? Are they going to stay a narcissist? Or what about this? Or what about that? I don't know. I do know people who have changed the trajectory of their lives. Most of them, it happened as they got older and wiser to themselves and their power. Um, A great example would be a husband that had very strong narcissistic tendencies, like to the point where he drove his wife away. I mean, she just couldn't take it anymore. She fell apart. She just couldn't take it anymore. And it wasn't that they were fighting on the outside. It was just slow drip, slow drip, slow drip. And she finally realized that for her to survive the rest of her life, that she had to leave and then years went by like 30 and at the end of it he he came and apologized to her but he didn't apologize like oh I'm sorry for what I've done 
because the narcissism, it's a way of thinking. It's not that they're so bad that we can't be around them. They're really hard to be around because anyone who puts anybody down on a consistent basis has a hard time. But either way, putting that aside, he just said, you know what? We did something good together, and that's how he remembered it. Because for him, it was the most successful relationship he had. But what he did by saying that was he gave her a glimpse into rewriting her own history so she can deal with it or at least have something good to think about. Like, well, at least he thought it was good. He doesn't remember because they don't remember what they've done. Now, did that change the core of his existence? No. It's just because he's speaking another language. But let's say somebody did something else. Like, And it's the only way I could answer it because I don't know if the trajectory of what you came here to do. I know there's people who say they finished one life and started another here. And, you know, I hear a lot of different kinds of explanations. But the what we came here to do, not what who we are, but what we came here to do, Whatever is necessary for us to do it is usually what's in our lives. So if I had to, you know, you're born to certain parents, you come out a certain way, you think a certain way. Like when I see people older and I say, oh, wow, they ended up doing this or doing that in their life. What could they have been like when they were younger? Because my brain wants to know. But is it possible to change the center of our existence? I honestly, I don't know how to answer that, Liam, because Christ is the one who told me this, and that's the information I got, and that we do have that, Garth. But, you know, when they say, you know, a tiger doesn't change its stripes, we may be able to modify our behavior through experience because that, I know, comes with age. We get more conscious of other people. But I haven't really seen, you know, someone who's narcissistic, change their way they can't it's a different language it's a whole different programming system Um, so I haven't seen it but it doesn't mean it's not true but I can say it's very very rare it's very rare but what I can say to that is that there's different levels but it's still in the same mindset so if you have somebody who thinks in a narcissistic tone, meaning they put themselves first and everybody else is the far second because they're run by insecurity, because they don't address the insecurity, they don't change. Very rarely do they even know what that insecurity is or when it started or where it started. But their behavior is predictable. They all think they're different and better and, and, and more special but that's that that's the mask. So they're going to fight for that mask and once that mask is gone with anyone they have to leave that person so they can be with someone where they can keep their mask on. So I don't know or the meek, you know. I mean there's people that when there are ego driven traits, let's say that. You could meet that person when they're 20. You can meet them when they're 30. You can meet them when they're 40 and so on. 
and not much will have changed. You can predict because ego is predictable. Okay, so now I'm saying, he's saying, Christ said in OOT that the meek can overcome their meek ability, but it's rare. I remember that. He said the meek usually stay in their meekness for the most part, but I wanted to extend the conversation, to extend the discussion today. I, I don't know. I want to say, I was going to say any or many, maybe a few modifications to behavior, which would be normal and natural, but I haven't seen somebody change their stripes from one one way of thinking to another. They're just far too invested, but you're right, it is rare. I remember personally when I got divorced and we had to go to a court-mandated counselor, and when she had us the very first time and I actually felt like I was hearing my husband for the first time because when it was just the two of us for some reason I heard it differently because I felt like no one heard it or witnessed it but when there was a third person in the room she asked me to stay and this is without Christ without anything I haven't seen Christ yet And she asked me to stay behind. And he left and I stayed. And she said to me, people that think like he does, do not change even with counseling. It's a rare event. And I have never taken someone who thinks like that to not thinking like that. If anything, they dig in deeper. If anything, they dig in so deep that they will fight you to the death. Because in their minds, in their minds, admitting they are wrong is their biggest fear. They may know it, but they will never admit it. Ever. That's why you see politically people doubling down even though they made what they said was a lie. They will never admit the truth. And because they never do, you almost can't even prosecute them unless you put them in a jury. But they will stay away from any kind of ways of catching them. They will insulate themselves. They will take anyone down along the way. It's just their way of fighting for their own survival. So I don't know if I answered the question other than it's probably a hard bet that if you're going to bet that someone could. It's not about healing, by the way. It's about a way of thinking. It's a programming that they come with, that we come with, that I came with. I came with my programming. You came with yours. Everyone came with their own. It doesn't mean you can't grow and be better and modify yourself throughout life because that's the whole point of being here. But to actually change from black to white how your operating system works, that's another story. That's another story. It's a tough call. And it's not a punishment because people who have that don't, don't view it that way, that way. It's just, it's just such a different um, 
I want to say just a different way because I I remember trying like when I would talk and think I'm talking from my heart, and it got twisted, and it, and then all of a sudden I was a villain. I just did not see that coming. But I will tell you something. Before I knew what a narcissist was or what the meek were, when I would meet someone who talked like like the way my husband did or someone, I used to say, oh, my God, I've heard that language before. I knew that they spoke in a different language just instinctively because when you hear it and then you hear it again, you know that that person that's talking to you is seeing the world from a different lens than you are. When I I used to call them difficult people, that they always would find something wrong. They would upset happy occasions and holidays would get all about them. Everything was about them. They weren't happy with the meal. They came late. They did, the, you know, it was just this silly stuff that just took, uh, just sucked the energy out of the room. And I used to say, oh, my God, that person speaks that language. Oh, my God, that person does that. I've heard that before. And they're still doing the same thing. So that's that's all I've got. I hope that that just extended the discussion a little further, but um as far as I've seen, I haven't seen it happen, personally. Just didn't. So I have another question. Can we discuss what it takes to do what you love and make a living from it? How do we even take the first step in finding what we love and invest in it? Sounds so easy, but it comes uncertainty, doubt, fear, worry, guilt, and control once we feel we are vulnerable because we love it so much. What do you think? What is your advice for someone who has many interests and is in the process of finding out what it is and they love and maybe keeps overlooking it? How do we know? How do we accept it once we know? You knew because you saw Christ, right? No, I always loved people. Christ just gave me a reason to talk to people. Um, How about the people who do not see Christ? You knew, loved helping people before too. How do you... Nail it. I myself didn't even know how hard it is to stick to doing what I love, although I have been doing it most of the times. Most of what I love doing took a very long time before it paid off. Many things I do today I do not get paid for, and I just can't stop myself from learning languages, farming, making business plans, giving legal advice, painting, traveling, exploring, cooking, and sports. All of it is me, but to me it looked but to me, it looks chaotic. I include all of it mostly in one day, and those are my happy days when I usually make the the least money. But I am not willing to do anything that makes me unhappy anymore. Much love. Have a happy weekend. It's not about I saw Christ and that's how I knew what to do. Before I saw Christ, I was helping people. I was just doing it on a different scale. And I was working a job that allowed me to be around people, and I, I would share with them, and I would do with them. It's not about what we love making us money. Money is a tool. It's not a, a, it's a permission. It's like you do this and you say, oh, for my time or for my product, this is what I charge. But 
how do you know? I mean, how do you take what you love and make money from it? That's something you got to figure out because if you feel like you keep doing things you love and you love this and then you love that and then you love that and maybe if you stuck one thing out, you might eventually have an expertise at it that you can share or charge for. But it it does sound easy when they say that, but the uncertainty, the risk you have to take, I didn't just walk up to today. Till this day, I could never recoup what I put in. Well, I could, but I haven't yet. Recoup what I put into my work. Because think about it. I'm not only doing something I love. It involves God and Christ, even though it's not religious, but involves them. And how do I sell that without looking like I'm using people for something I know? I don't know how to share it and charge for it because... It's already big enough that I'm coming out with this whole thing. Even with the books, those books were my investment in you. Because I had to take a chunk of money to do it, and I get paid a few bucks at a time from Amazon as they sell. So I don't even feel it coming back. So when, you know, how do you know, how do you accept it If you really have that many things you love, then your happiest days are already told to you. You already know what they are. You already have that. But if you jump from one thing to another, nothing has time to develop, right? But if those are your happiest days, then you know the answer. You need a lot of stimulation. You need a lot of change. It's like living in Chicago. You wake up with a sunny day, then you have rain, and then you have this, and then you have that. And by the end of the day, you've been through three weather systems. And you love it. But there's no way for me to tell you how to take what you love and make it pay off because I don't know what your tolerance is. If you already know what makes your day happy, you could open a day camp for kids and do all those things in one day and have 10 kids over a summer and charge so much money. And, I, you know, there's different ways you can take your personality and make it work for you. Because if you have that personality, there will be other people who have that. But the things you love to do are things that you can teach kids to do, and they may pick up one of those things like gardening or something and create a career out of it. And you created a career out of doing a bunch of different things all in one place. Or you love to travel, and I I said this to you before, this might be something you do. you, You are a tour guide in your own town because you know it. There's so many different ways, but if you can't choose one, that's different than doing what you love and making money at it because you just haven't made a choice. But actually in this, I saw your choice is that you need to be busy all day. You need to be stimulated with different things all day, and those are your happiest days. So you get bored very easily. 
So you have to find a way to keep it exciting, which you did. And if you can't attach money to it or you can't attach a livelihood to it, then you got to find a way to live without that much money. All goes back to, you know, that was the one thing people would ask me in the beginning. How, how do I know what my gift is? What is my purpose? Well, you, you said it in here. You like to be busy, so keep yourself busy. That makes you happy. But sometimes having a third person like I did in that room when I, when I heard my husband talking and I'm like, were we in the same marriage? It was because somebody was listening to us instead of me trying to prove that I didn't do whatever he threw at me and he didn't even care what he threw at me, but he wasted our time together. But having a third person hear it is like you writing to me and having a third person or a whole audience hear it. And if anyone has suggestions, that would be great. Put them on the radio page. But I, I do want to say, you know, that it, it's when people compare to, to me, to what I'm doing in my life, this has been 18 years. It's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't like, oh, I saw Christ and everything just showed up at my door. Nothing has been so hard from the beginning. What you're seeing is me in process even. I'm still there. I can't help it. I didn't say, oh, this is what I love, so I'm going to do it. The love is what kept me doing it. You see the difference? I didn't declare my love and then create it. I created it because of my love. I had to find a way, and I didn't have a way. I had to meet the people. Do you know how many people I talked to that said, Godspeed, Godspeed, and send me on my way? And then how many other people that I just did not expect helped me in ways to carry this further without me ever thinking that they would be the people to help me. And the times I had to break down and accept help from others or even ask for it, I did every single thing possibly think of to keep this alive because I understood that I had no choice in my heart and in my mind to not do it. I just had to find out how to do it. So it's the opposite of declaring my love and then creating a plan. Okay, this is what I love. And that's why it feels so jumpy to you because if you love helping people, then find an avenue to do that. It might not be that you just put up a sign that says, okay, I'm here to help people. But what if you put up a sign and said, I have legal skills and I can help you create a will. Or I can help you create, because people can, they can hang on to that. You will be helping them, something that's scary to them. It may be three, four hours a day that you work, maybe eight hours, maybe ten hours. Depending on how many people come to you, you charge a reasonable price, you put up a website, you do your social media, 
you let people know you're there, you ask them if it's something they want to do so that when they pass, their kids won't be left with a mess. And you just make it happen. That's a way of helping people. Every single day I get inboxes of thank you for just saying that. So what if I decided that my helping people, I didn't know how to quantify that, and so I just stopped doing it. But I couldn't. I just knew that I have to put it out there, and whatever comes back, comes back. But I can't depend on what comes back. I just have to know that what I'm putting out there is from my heart. Because that's what people feel. The words are sometimes irrelevant to the feeling. That's something Maya Angelou said. It's not, what is it? You don't remember sometimes what the person said, but you remember how you felt when you left. or something like that. I don't remember the exact quote. But she said that. And that's what we interact on. We interact on feelings. We react to what we feel. So I would ask you to react to what you feel first because that is what you feel, and that feeling is what people purchase. Whether it's just purchasing the thought, they didn't have to pay for it with money, but they accepted the thought, they accepted that movement in their brain and said, that worked, oh my gosh, I feel like this gave me the next step to what I want to do in my life. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting um, question. It's a great question. It's one of my most frequently asked questions, and it's also one of the first kinds of questions that anybody ever asked of me over and over again from the very beginning. People thought because I saw Christ, that Christ was a genie in a bottle and was going to come out and give them and demystify their their thinking and tell them who they were so that they would know what to do. But we're here to figure that out. Even the narcissists, even the narcissists I can equate to a pure catalyst because they do what they do no matter who their audience is. They just rinse and repeat. And they keep thinking that with the new person, things will work out better because they honest to God, honest to God. That's why I love them and I have empathy for their cycle. They may seem cruel, but boy, what they're giving you is nothing what they feel inside. And what they feel inside scares them so much that they cover it. So I have empathy for for that personality type, but they are teachers. They chose to come here to be that teacher. That's why they have that revolving door for the most part. Okay, new new victim. Some will learn and then learn how to develop themselves. And that person came here and they're just doing the same thing over and over again. And the and the way that they are happy 
is when they feel they've acquired something or someone. So they they keep getting a supply. It's not like they're miserable walking around in life. They've they found ways to cope with it. You know, it sounds crazy, but yeah. So whatever you love, if it's helping people, let it be a way of helping people. You can help people design gardens. You can help people have made businesses out of it. So give yourself the chance to not depend on it, but let it start over here and see what happens while you're doing all the 10 different things you're doing every day. Give yourself a chance. It is hard. I had to work jobs while I was developing myself in this. But I did what it took. I did what it took. And we all do when we love something that much. And you just have to give it the time. You guys, I love you. Have a great weekend. I will see you Monday morning. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.